great future. We're talking real money. Well, it's not often that we do a short show on a Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. It's definitely Monday. And usually on Monday, we play as the first podcast of the week, the first hour of Saturday's show that we did on Como Radio in Seattle. However, they're having some problems with the audio. I hope we get it, but we don't have it yet. And I'm coming up on a deadline to get this podcast done. So I'm doing a special Monday Q&A edition for you because, yes, it's Monday and we have lots of questions. And remember, if you have questions, you can call us anytime with those questions. Just leave the question on our answering service at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can also record it and it sounds better, at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form, or you can type them up, and we'll read your question and answer it on a future podcast. So it's really easy. Either call 855-935-TALK or go to TalkingRealMoney.com. And our first question, well, let's use this one. Hello, Tom and Don. I appreciate your podcast and your shared knowledge as I've come a long way with managing my own retirement plan, as well as referring my parents to a fiduciary with their retirement. Um, One thing I'm looking at is um, I'm planning on rolling over my wife's teacher's retirement into a Vanguard account. She has two different retirement contribution uh, or two different um, retirement plans from two different schools that I want to consolidate. Um, Aside from forfeiting the employer match because she doesn't meet the minimum requirements uh, and missing out on possible um, benefits at retirement, should I be aware of anything else before executing this plan? Thank you. So you're rolling, I assume, I'm going to make the huge assumption that these are 403B plans. That's typically what an employee-funded plan is with a nonprofit like a school district or a medical facility. So I'm going to assume these are 403Bs. Uh, and again, m- my assumption is you you mean your wife is not able to to put in enough to get the match. So she's, she, she's not eligible for the match in some way, shape, or form. So you're thinking about moving them over into an IRA with Vanguard. Again, that's what I'm assuming, which is what you should do. Unless this is a Roth 403B, in which case you should move it into a Roth IRA with Vanguard. Uh, And I, again, am going to assume you're doing this because you believe you can get better investment products, which in the case of most 403B plans is probably very accurate. Most 403B plans have horrible choices because school districts are so politicized. Um, there's a lot of political pressure from people in the investment industry to give them a a big, huge foot in the door. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't see any big problems doing this. None whatsoever. I don't know of anything that she's, she'd be giving up except the match. And you said, that's not an issue. So as far as I'm concerned, this sounds good. Yeah. Why not? 
855-935-TALK. I'm Don McDonald doing a special Monday edition of Talking Real Money. And let's go to this call. Hi, um, my name's Dominic, and I am 15. I actually just turned 15 about a week ago. And, um, you know, I'm looking to buy a car, specifically a 1979 Camaro. Right now, I'm in the stocks, and I have about $5,000 saved up. I have about 2000 in the bank, about 2000 and also in the bank, and then about 1500 in stocks. And I'm looking at this summer and making about $2,500 along with Facebook Marketplace, selling stuff, you know. I'm selling a bike right now that's worth about 1400 bucks. So I'm looking on, you know, having a little bit of equity to have to buy this car and also for the gas and for, you know, you might need to fix it up or I might find one that's mint. But um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about this car, if I should get another car and then save up and then get a real nice one, or I should just buy the Camaro. And then what I should do is um, fix it up on the way or, you know, as I said, just get another car and save up my money. Thank you. You are a good saver. I'm very, very impressed. Uh, you got $5,000 put away. Some of it's in, I hope it's in stock mutual funds or ETFs and not individual stocks. Don't learn to gamble in individual stocks. Buy something like the Vanguard Total World Stock Index ETF, VT, and own the whole, wor whole world. That's long-term, you're going to be so much better off. Also, if you have a job this summer, open a Roth IRA and fund it as much as you can afford to, at least a thousand bucks. As far as the car, well, I understand your thought process. I do remember being 15 and, uh, you know, for a lot of people, cars were their identity and a 79 Camaro, that's a, that's a nice car. However, have you looked them up lately? I went to auto trader and I have to tell you, I think this is a dream for adulthood. A lot of adults can't afford a decent 79 Chevy Camaro. I mean, a reasonably decent running version of it is probably going to cost you $16,000 because junkers are going for five or six. One that's fully restored is going to be in the twenty-five dollars to $30,000 or $35,000 range. This is out of your reach. It really is. And the fact of the matter is, as cool as it might be to have it, it's not worth it. It's going to take you a lot of time that you could be either putting into school or putting into your job, making money for your future so you can afford to buy one and still have plenty of other money left over for your retirement. I know it's hard to think about retirement, but you've got so much saved. You're on such a great track. If you start thinking about building that up until it's over a million dollars, and by the way, you are on track to be a millionaire when you retire. 
if you keep this up and buy an inexpensive car, which would you rather have, a cool car now or almost certainly, almost, no guarantees, be a millionaire when you're in your 50s or 60s? Maybe earlier. Probably earlier, the way you're saving. Uh, I, I got to tell you, skip the car. I understand you need a car. When you turn 16, it would help. It, it helps your mobility. It helps your self-esteem, and it gets you to your job. But I'd go with, a, and it sounds like you, you feel comfortable fixing a car. Therefore, I would go with an affordable beater, nothing fancy, that will get you from here to there. That's a, a relatively dependable car. The kind of cars that can, you know, have two or 300,000 miles on an engine. Uh, and um, get it, an old Honda or something. I think you're going to be better off. And I think you're going to have a, oh, substantially better future. Thanks for the call. Keep up the good work. 855-935-TALK is our number, or you can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Hey, Tom and Don. This is Mike from Colorado calling. Really love your show, and you guys give me great advice. Recently, Don, you were uh, hosting Paul Merriman. I think Tom was um, on vacation or something of that nature, and you guys were talking about um, mutual funds versus ETFs. And Paul gave a pretty good argument about why he was starting to sway toward ETF funds um, using the argument of lower cost and um, uh, better tax treatment, that type of thing. So it got me thinking. Um, I've been kind of a disciple of Paul's ultimate buy and hold strategy. I'm following the 13 funds recommended from Vanguard. Um, some quick background, I'm, I'm a 60-40 mix as far as equity to bonds. Um, my total investment in, in, in all those funds is $5 million. And breaking it down, I've got $2 million in the taxable and $3 million in the tax deferred, which includes rollover IRAs, uh, 401k, and Roth. So here's my question. Um, I started thinking about, you know, maybe I do want to, <clears throat> excuse me, go into these ETF funds, but I obviously don't want to touch the taxable side. That would create a taxable event. But when going to Paul's site, he's got an excellent uh, tax deferred ultimate buy and hold recommended ETF portfolio developed by Chris, Chris Pedersen and Paul. And uh, they're great funds. I've actually put them into my HSA portfolio and They've performed very well. I'm just asking you guys for advice. Does it make sense? Am I, am I kind of getting a little bit too in the weeds by going into my tax-deferred side and converting the mutual funds to the recommended ultimate buy-and-hold ETF portfolio that Paul recommends? So, for example, and he's got a lot of Avanti funds, but uh, you know, going from the Vanguard small-cap um, value to the Avantis U.S. small cap value ETF AVUV, and and so so on and so forth with uh, the mutual funds that I've got on the tax deferred, just converting them over. So that's my question. I really appreciate your time, and uh, you guys have a great day. I think maybe you're too far in the weeds with this. Um, yeah, if you were starting from scratch, I'd be all over the ETFs, and for future monies, I might too. Certainly don't touch anything in the taxable account. There's just no need uh, or do it as you're rebalancing and then maybe replace those with ETFs. I don't think there's any hurry for any of this. Uh, 
The differences in expense ratios aren't going to be great enough to really make a big difference. And then your tax deferred account, you you don't have to worry about the tax advantages of ETF. So I, again, would be in no hurry there. I might add future monies to some of these if it doesn't make things too complicated. But I just don't see the necessity of making these changes. Yeah, in the taxable account over time, in a, in a very structured manner, with the tax planning thought out because of the future benefits, potential benefits of of more tax deferral, possibly. But again, we're getting down to numbers that are so small as to, well, I think even Paul would say when you're getting down into the one-tenth of 1% range, it's not going to make enough of a difference long-term. A half a percent, maybe. Thanks so much for the question. And let's grab another one that was sent in via the internet. I was listening to your podcast, and the I-Series savings bonds caught my interest. I need my emergency fund, but do not get any interest on it. Do I just purchase on treasurydirect.gov, where debt-free and have entered retirement and all looks good? Understand emergency fund needs, but have not used it since we saved it and are slowly added to it as a hedge. I understand I may forfeit some interest if we cash out early, but I've gotten nothing for the last 10 years. How quick could I get money out? Most likely as quickly as moving in bank, moving it out of the bank account. Just looking for research of safety and ease of use. My wife and I could each put in $10,000 a year, as I understand it. Thank you. Well, for emergency funds, they are not going to be the best place to put your emergency money. These I-bonds have a requirement that you stay in for a year. So they might make good emergency money after a year. So you might want to have your first year's worth, at least initially, in uh, in something more immediately liquid because you can't get out for the first year. Now, after the first year, you will give up the last three months of interest if you get out before five years. When you're making three and a half, giving up three months isn't bad. But again, for the first few years, you should probably have another pool from which you draw and earmark this as your future emergency money three or four or five years down the road. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's as safe as it can be. Also, you're still going to need some money in the bank for immediate access because these have to be, you have to go to the Treasury Direct site to sell them, and then that money will be deposited back into your bank account. So there may be a little bit of a lag there. But again, long-term, I'm good with it. I'm really good with it. Thanks for the question. Thanks for listening. Uh, 855-935-TALK. You can call that number 24-7. And let's take one more question from the phone. Hey, Donna, Tom. Uh, love your show and got a question for you. Uh, I have a uh, 401k from a previous employer. I'm 60 years old and 90% of my uh, my retirement investments are with that 401k. And uh, I'm thinking of moving it to an IRA uh, and, uh, and this is with Fidelity. It is mostly an L-I-B-I-X and um, was wondering if uh, it makes sense if I move those, it should be more of an ETF because I'm concerned 
thought I heard you folks say that um, you could have uh, a downturn in the economy, people sell off, and they actually produce profits on some of these uh, mutual funds. So I was thinking an ETF uh, might be a better way to go. Uh, appreciate your help on this. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, I think we've got a lot of different things going on here. Um, you have a 401k, the bulk of your money's there, and it's in the BlackRock Life Path Index 2055 fund, which is a target date fund that is currently, because it's a 2055 retirement year, currently about 95, no, maybe more. It's almost 100% in equities, but it's globally diversified, about 57% in the U.S. and about 43% here. Uh, it's uh, an index fund. It's got very low expense ratio. Uh, I, I don't see, I don't see any reason to change. I'm not sure why you're making the change. I don't think it's necessary. And no, there's nothing special about ETFs other than along the way, if they post a capital gain because they move from one security to another, which doesn't happen very often. It doesn't get distributed to you. It just adds to the value. And uh, then you pay taxes when you take the money out. And in a 401k or a regular IRA, you're going to pay taxes as regular income when that comes out anyway. I just am having a hard time trying to figure out why you'd want to make the change. If, particularly if you're still in the 401k, but even after, you've got a pretty good 401k, and uh, if this is an appropriate allocation for you, you're an aggressive investor, in other words, then this uh, you know, almost 100% in equities is a good thing to be in for about 30 years, I think, if you're aggressive. Take our risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com. Thank you all for being a part of the podcast. And if you get a chance, please tell people about it, share it, send it off to someone else if you found something interesting. And if you really love what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes us feel good and it does help build the audience. So thanks again for being there. Um, remember to give us a call anytime with your questions at 855-935-TALK. If you have a bigger issue and it it's not easy to solve in a short phone call, we make our advisors at Vestry, our fee-only, fee-only fiduciary firm, available to help for a little while. They won't manage your money for free, but they will help you for free to get you better educated or off to a better start. You can set up an appointment with one of our advisors anytime at Vestory.com. Just scroll down, pick the best date or time for you, and we'll make sure somebody's available to talk with you. All right? Thanks for being there. Take good care. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real Money. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.